Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode number 22, and our guest is uh, Red Wing goalie and now Red Wing broadcaster, the legendary Chris Osgood joins us. Chris, thanks for joining us on the Red and White Authority. It's always a pleasure to sit down and talk hockey with you. Yeah, it's good to see you again, Art. We had a good summer. We're looking forward to a great Red Wing season, especially these young players that are coming in and see all the advanced forward, and hopefully uh, going into the Little Sears Arena, we have a entertaining, fun year and uh, full of surprises, and hopefully they end up making the playoffs and, and getting some playoff games in the new arena. Well, that's uh, I'm sure that is what everyone is hoping, but I want to go back to uh, uh, the beginning for you. Mm-hmm. And I know next week, and we'll get to your Red Wing part, but let's go back to you being a young kid, a medicine hat tiger, and I know you've told this story before, but does Ken Holland, who is then the Western Canada scout for the Red Wings, does he come up to you because he was a former Medicine Hat Tiger, a goalie? Because your relationship goes back to really when you were an adolescent. Yeah, I, Ken Holland probably started watching me when I was 14, a bantam hockey player, and, and 15. That's when I really started to play goalie quite a bit and never really knew if I was going to make it. or just I was just playing hockey. and. Probably at 15 was when I was playing midget as an underage when kind of figure out that, hey, maybe I can play a little longer than I expected. And and, and Ken knew me. I knew Ken a little bit. Um, he lived near me in Medicine Hat. But I remember in, in, playing for the Tigers, the rail, all the scouts stood on. Ken was at every single game. He scouted a ton of games, so he knew me inside and out. Um, I played on his on his uh, ball hockey team. Uh He'd make me get up real early and golf on the weekends to make sure to keep me out of trouble. I remember one time he goes, we're, gonna, we're golfing at 6. And I said, Ken, are we going to finish before dark? And he goes, oh, 6 a.m., Chris. I'm like, what? You know, I'm, I'm a 17-year-old. I don't golf at 6 a.m. Right. I mean, so uh, he, he was like a father figure for me, keep me out of trouble, uh, making sure, you know, you're a young kid, make sure I'm on the ice in the summer doing what I had to do to get ready to play. Um, so huge influence in, in, in my career and, and molding me to know what the difference between right and wrong was because when you're a young kid sometimes you can get yourself off the tracks a little bit. Didn't he, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he give you almost a workout or regiment plan oh, what he wanted uh, to see you do? Well, my, Neil Little who played my best friend, he was my goalie partner growing up from the time we were 12 to 16 then we branched off. Uh, he played in RPI in university. Um, so ironically, I was only a half hour away, 40 minutes away from when I went to Adirondack. So it was, we kind of followed each other. But, you know, we liked to have some fun. And we were young. And, and, and I remember Ken Holland, uh, we had to go to Earl's. It's a restaurant in Canada. Everybody would know not as much here. And uh, put us with the uh, football slash phys ed slash vice principal <laughs> of the high school. Uh, you guys are working on every day at 9 a.m. We're like, every day? He goes, yeah, even Sundays. So really, just, you know, Got us, and we we're in a small town. He knew what we were up to, so he set us in the right direction. And he he worked us out. He was our trainer for years, and and uh, we had him at seventeen. Then the Red Wings drafted me the next year. So uh, really, Ken didn't miss a beat. Really, he was on top of us, and we uh, to to the point where we'd be doing something we knew we shouldn't do. We know Ken's going to hear for sure. He's going to hear somehow because he had his ear to the floor all the time. That relationship is uh, it, it, unique. Did he say, because at this point he's still like the, 
I don't know if he moved into management at that time and was in Detroit, or was he still in Western Canada? He's still Western Canada, right? So, yeah. Did you think that the Red Wings were going to draft um, him? Because how much? I mean, he has some say, obviously, but yeah, he was he, he was running the draft, I believe. Then um, I I didn't know. I knew they were interested because he do the interviews and stuff. And I remember Phil Muir was a goalie coach then, talking to him. Um, I believe Brian Murray was with the Wings then as well. So I remember meeting him after a game in junior. Um, but, uh, no, not, didn't really have an idea. Um, there wasn't a lot of goalies in that draft year, but the difference then was you had to go in the first three rounds. You couldn't go beyond that. So it really shrunk down your chances of getting drafted. So, you know, the rounds went by and then, uh, I think it was Detroit, 54, I think Detroit picked me in the third round. Um, so it was ecstatic to go there and, uh, it was great. And to be honest, Western Canada, then, you know, there wasn't the availability of seeing all these games like you can now. Right. I've seen the Red Wings play. The only time I'd ever seen them play was when they played the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs. Because all the games we saw was always Vancouver, Edmonton, or Calgary. We never really had a chance to see any of these other guys. Um, so it was real cool. So, you know, go on the internet or anything, you couldn't see the Red Wings. So, then, you know, you start scouring, go to the store and get magazines, hockey <laughs> books, and try and read about them. So, I mean, it was a lot different then. And... But it was cool. I knew their original six team, obviously. I know all that in, in the history of, of the Wings. But, wow, I'd never been on a flight ever until I flew to Buffalo to the draft. And the second one ever, I flew to Detroit or Windsor and then came to camp in Detroit. So a little bit daunting at first. When you <laughs> – Homer Ice tells me a story that he had no idea Detroit was going to draft him. He thought the Washington Capitals were. Were there other teams interested? Did you think um, if it wasn't the Red Wings, it could could you have ended up like being Van- Vancouver? There was a there was a few. I I wasn't really focused on that. I remember I did like five interviews. I couldn't even remember what the teams were. Right. Um. But I was pretty focused that Ken was going to pick me, and hopefully that was going to happen, um, because we had hung out a lot, and uh, he's mentoring me. I'm like, well, he must be doing it for some reason. Just kind of testing me out, uh, and and I was, you know, I and when it came the second round went by, Detroit didn't pick me. That's when I got really nervous. This was the most nervous I ever was, beyond even playing games, was at the draft in Buffalo for the first time. So it was I was ecstatic when obviously relieved when they picked me in the third round because there wasn't a lot of time left. Right, right. It, when you uh, um, let's go uh, beginning next week, next Friday is the prospects tournament. And then the Red Wings will have training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the draft in Chicago this year. Uh, they draft 11 players. All 11 of them were at development camp. What was it like for you? What are these players, young players, going to go through? If you can kind of relate that. Because I know that you were uh, fairly eager but a little bit nervous when you first arrived and put on the winged wheel for the first time. Yeah, it was a struggle just to get in the rink. I looked so young. That, that was Step one, Art, is to get into the building, to get past uh, the tight security, the great coats that they had in Detroit, which I all love them all because now I know them all. So right. it was great. But I found that amusing that I could never barely get into the rink. Um, didn't believe that I played, um, which is you laugh at now. It was a cool story. But it was, um, I, I played with, there's a lot of, it was Jamie Pusher, it was Marty LaPointe, um, Knubel. There's a lot of guys I remember. Um, that drafted in my year. Kozlov got drafted my year. Um, so Ken did a really good job of drafting. Some people forget how good of a drafter he was and still is. He obviously gets away from him in a bit because he has GM duties here of late. But 
Well, we get some really good drafts, and obviously the support of the scouts and uh, other people that are involved in it as well. But um, coming to the rookie camp, it was different then than it is now. Uh, they teach him the fitness, how to eat. We were just playing. I just uh, excited to go there. Remember, we we have to go there two times a day, and uh, Doug McLean, I believe, was his, the assistant GM or and. Uh, GM of Adirondack, and I remember I was exhausted because he had up so early every day, and I was yawning. And Ned, he's like, "Are you yawning in net?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm tired." <laughs> like, yeah, it was two twice a day, but it was cool. I remember um, just Jay Push and I walking around Detroit and going to stores and eating and stuff, and we were all staying at the the, the Poncha train downtown. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. We never figure out how to get through the Cobo Hall and to the Joe. Always get lost. Just naive two kids from small towns in Canada, but it was it was cool just to be down there. It was exciting times. Yeah, I saw Jamie at the uh, summer showcase and uh, uh, now working for uh, Tampa. Tampa working yep. for Stevie. Yeah. So he's yeah he's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's he had a good run with Detroit and got traded to Anaheim, but uh, just a really great person. Great yeah. Guy. You know th- th- those Adirondack Red Wings. Many of you. Came up to it was, Detroit, and yeah, it was it, different then than it is now. Right, because they'll, you know, they have the four hundred pro game rule, so you have less older players and less veteran type guys. Then it was you had a lot of veteran guys, and you put your five best prospects with those guys, and their job was to help mentor you to get you to the NHL. Right. Other guys were obviously trying to make it, but there was a group of just guys that were strictly AHL players that had great careers there. It was a different league, and I, I was there with Cardi Pusher, me, Marty Lapointe. Drapes came the next year. It was and that was really it. We were the five, six rookies that they did have. Kozlov was there. The six rookies they had on the team. The rest of the guys were over. They'd won the Memorial Cup. Not Memorial Cup. That's a junior. The uh, Calder Cup the year before. Right. With Barry Melrose as a coach. Alan Bester was a goalie. So I played with Alan Bester. And uh, his job was meant for me to hopefully make the NHL. So I was lucky to have him. I was lucky to have Tim Chevalier. I was lucky. I was fortunate. If I, when I look back... You know, I got a chance to play with some great guys I grew up watching, but also great people. It's, it's these it are, were helping me. They didn't have to. They just did it because they were that type of person. So I was lucky to always be running into guys like that. I think of Mike Vernon as well. Right. I mean, I was young. I played one year. We lost San Jose. I wasn't ready as a 20-year-old goalie to play in the National Hockey League. That's a big, big step. Mike Vernon came in and taught me a ton. So, you know, I think of every stage, I was real fortunate to get a chance to play with a lot of a lot of great goalies that were good people. You know, let's go back to uh, you're in Adirondack. Scotty Bowman calls you up. Oh, you're, you're, you you make your debut in Toronto. I Drapes was unreal that year. Drapes was unreal. <laughs> he, guy could win so many draws and flying around. I'm like, hey, Drapes. I'm like, I, I, I knew him, but I didn't. Right, Kind right. of from junior. He was right. going to play junior. He was in that Canada program in Calgary, but then he was going to come to Seattle when I was there, and we were trying to get him, and he ended up not coming because we were in the Royal Cup, and he played for Ottawa. Right. Um, so I remember he came up and I was like, wow, the guy's flying around. He's winning all these draws. And I remember we started the year like 6-0. and We were crushing teams. Tim Taylor was there with us. Right. We had some. We had a really good team at Adirondack. And Marty LaPointe was on fire. And Max stayed up. He didn't come down right away. Right. Aaron, that's the year he made it. He right, right. real training camp. And uh, then I got called up. Uh, they had injuries. Shoveled in. Hurt his knee. Randall got hurt as well. I remember I got called up to Toronto. I'm like sitting in eating breakfast down there, Scotty Bowen comes sit in front of me, he goes, how you doing? I'm, I'm good, you know. I'm like, <laughs> and he goes, uh, how was the breakfast? You know, how are the eggs? I'm like, good, you know, good. But oh, you're playing tonight. And he took off, I'm like, you know, immediately, it got a lot harder to eat after that. Right. Because, well, by the way, 
you're 20 years old and your first ever game is going to be Maple Leaf Gardens against the Leafs that are 9-0-1. And Doug Gilmore and, you know, I grew up watching these guys play. Uh, really cool. Didn't, didn't fare well. This old uh, classic Gilmore spinorama worked on me then. But I didn't remember after that game, I'm like, you know, I, I can play here. I'm good enough to play here. I just got to keep working. So that's what I took away from that. Right. It wasn't a great debut, but oh. then you actually, as you said, yeah. but you were a quick study, a quick learner, yeah, and it worked didn't, out. He didn't, I didn't play for about a week and a half. I just practiced, and then Scotty played me against L.A. at home. Then I get to play against in Quebec, which I look back now, another fortunate break, because after that, the Nordiques went to Colorado, so I got a chance to play in the old building in Quebec, and they had... And you forget how good that team was. Right. I mean, that team is what made the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, if you look at that roster, whoever was drafting did an unreal job at the players they did accumulate there. And uh, I remember playing that game, and then Jocelyn Tebow was the goalie. And Scotty looks at me and he goes, "He goes, you, you think something? You think you're the one of the best young goalies in the league? Well, the guy across from you is younger than you. He's better. That's what he said. That was the way motivated me. Come on, Mike. We ended up winning. But I remember playing a game in Mark Howe and Paul Coffey and Brad Marsh. Uh, had this some legendary defense I'm playing, but I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, this is cool, get to play with all these guys, and we ended up winning like 3-2, it was a great game, and I remember Dino cranking on this, back then you had the ghetto blaster art, <laughs> cranked on, they're all dancing in the room, I'm like, this is, this is awesome, I don't want to go back. Yeah, right. You know, that's kind of what I thought, but it was just, it was great, so that was kind of the start, and we beat LA, blew them out at home, and I played at home. Um, against Gretzky, that was cool for me to do too because I grew up in Edmonton watching him. Obviously, everybody watched him. but Right. Um, so, a real, not even a roller coaster ride, just a cool start. Got to play against the Leafs, got to play in Quebec, and got to play against the Kings at home. And that back then, the Kings had went to the final. They were uh, one of the best teams in the league, so that was cool to get to play against them as well. You know, you talked about... Um uh, some of the goalies that you played with, and we'll get into that. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I really want to go back to some of the, the coaches that you also played for, though. Yep. If you really look at it, you know, as you said, Brian Murray was here. You obviously played for Scotty, Mike Babcock, Joel Quinville. I mean, yep. you really had a and core it, of people yeah. that were Hall of Famers. I got to say for Newell Brown. Right. And, and he's been in the NHL. A lot of people wouldn't know his name, but if they looked him up, right. he's coached a long, long time. He's won Stanley Cups, too. Uh, he's a good young coach, Ben, coming up, uh, influential as well. And he, so I was fortunate, and there's a lot of guys that have coaches every year, different coaches. I was, I had pretty stable coaches that I'd have a lot for a long time, Scotty Bowman. And then I get to play with Joel Quinville for him, and I, Mike Babcock. Like, I'm real fortunate. You're talking about, you know, arguably some of the best coaches to ever coach the National Hockey League. So, um, I got at a real fortunate as well in that aspect to, to be able to play for guys that you know knew what they were doing and wanted to win and uh, that was the main thing is they wanted to win Quinville Babcock and obviously Scotty yeah. and, and not to take away from any of the other guys that coached you uh, were they similar because they're all winners in their own way yeah. was there something that made them just their attention, cut above? attention to detail um You'd be leading games. I also got to play for Laviolette. He was a young stud coach. Oh, yeah, right. Long Island. And, right. And uh, obviously we know him. He's went to the final quite a few right, times. Right, yeah. Peter Laviolette. Well Carolina. So, um, real good coach. Right. He's aged a bit, though, when I saw him in the final this <laughs> year. Looked a lot better when I played for him. If he hears that, sorry, but uh, well, 
he's a great guy too. So you know, I you know, you jump around to teams and listen. I got to play for some cool coaches and some guys that you know, real fortunate to have, and uh, goalie coaches as well. But uh, I'd say the number one thing we always get attention to detail. You'd be up four one in the game and if let in a goal, they wouldn't be happy. Right. And you know, and it's smart because they're molding you for the situation where now when it's one one or it's two two. You know, they want you to be bared down in the last five, six minutes. No matter what the situation is, you keep playing the same way. You know, some guys, 6'1", 6'2", doesn't matter. 6'3", that's okay. We still, but with these guys, it was, you know, attention to detail. You finish games the right way, no matter what the score was, where you were, who you were playing against. I don't want to give, like, things away, but I can remember several times over the years, especially with Scotty and, uh, and Babs a little bit, where you were always, you know, emotional guy. And I would walk in after practice, and you would be just really upset, not so much with them as coaches, but the way they handled the roster, shall we say, or certain players, or the way that they talked to you. But do you look back at it now and think that that was more of a motivational thing, that they um, were trying to get the best out of their team? Because I, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, they're always trying to win, right? They're winners, right. so they're going to do whatever it takes to win. You have to figure out how to fit into that uh, system of what, what's right. going on. and You know, it's a team-oriented game. There's no individuals. The, the, those stats don't matter. I mean, they won't, they're they going to win. Um, you're expected to play a certain way. and Of course, when you're young, you get mad, and you don't know why they're doing stuff, and every guy would have a story. But then afterwards, you think back, and like, you know, every time they're right, <laughs> right. I was wrong. <laughs> right. It's funny when you look back on it, and you have to respect that. You know, it's, right. uh, and, and Mike Babcock was the same way. Did I like all the decisions you made? No. I mean, was he tough on us at times? Yeah, for sure he was. And, but you look back and you're like, most of the time he was right. Right. You know, let's, uh, let's, you know, we've talked about this, you know, obviously I've known you forever and, uh, and I keep telling you this, the San Jose playoff series, yes. uh, you know, the Jamie Baker goal or, you know, I mean, Whatever happened there, and you know, after that game, uh, I remember watching you on television where you were emotional. You were crying. What channel was that on? Uh, on well, you know, it was like on. It was actually on the sports. You know, back then it wasn't video. I, I, Did well, they have uh, channel changes then, or did you have to get up? And switch? No, I, I, you know, I, I had to it get up. Would have been close. <laughs> it would have been right on the cusp. I had to get up. I, I was almost as distraught as you, believe it or not, after that game. Was so ninety four. Yeah, and. You, but but I told you, and I've told you this, yeah, I... Agent on myself. Right. I kept, I told you that at that moment, you know, even though you were breaking down and you were so upset and, you know, tears were flowing, that was a moment that I think was your, was where the city of Detroit just completely embraced you because you were, wanted so much to win. You were so disappointed that they knew, here's a guy who is kind of like us. He's emotionally invested in this team. When you look back at that moment, do you do you look back at that moment? Do you think about it? Because really, I think as far as Red Wing fans go, that was a moment that they will always remember and in a positive way, not a negative way, even though you ended up losing the series. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't look back on that heck of a lot other than the fact that I was playing gained experience uh, and, and it felt good about the way I played 
Uh, what, and I wasn't going to let one play define me. That was kind of my thinking. Right. Uh, yeah, at the time, I was upset. I wanted to, I wanted to win because I was like, Jesus, you know, a kid, <laughs> you have a chance. I mean, I think that year, I, I believe that was the year the uh, LA Kings went to the final, if I'm correct. They beat Toronto, maybe. I can't re- quite recall. Um, but I felt like we should have won. And we had a really good team. But it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> that was kind of the way it was. Um I mean, I see it every now and then. The, the play wasn't that bad. It was the fact that I'm 20 years old and don't realize when you pass the puck on the boards, you got to get back to the net fast. <laughs> kind of like, it's like a player watching his pass, right? right so I was right. watching my pass. So, you know, I took that from them. You know, you got to make quick plays. And, uh, I mean, a devastating lesson, obviously. But uh, I think that taught me not to take some positive of every situation that I was ever in after that. I never, ever uh, thought... Um, you know, there's tough losses, tough series losses, obviously. Right. And that's going to happen through your career. But, you know, try to take the positive of everything I did at every step of my career. Even when I went to the Islanders, I thought, you know, it's, just, it's, it's time for me to move on. I was there for quite some time in Detroit. And it was just time. I felt like it was. And, and then I felt like it was time to come back as well. I never always, you know, felt like I'd be back. But I, I never, I think that taught me to take something positive of everything I did, even at the worst of times. When you look back at it now, and you, you the different teams and everything, everyone that you played for, uh, in Detroit, you started the the team really started to take shape, started to take form. Uh, a lot of you, including yourself, players were starting to come into their own. You had you know Hall of Fame players. You know Steve obviously was there. Nick, yeah. uh, Vladdy in the beginning certainly. Uh, Sergey, of course. I mean, this was a... We had a lot of cool players. Right. You had a really good... You really knew... Even you, when we lost those years and we lost to New Jersey, well, we had some good players. I mean, Keith Primo was a really good player at that right, time. Right. Dino. We had some, some cool guys on our team that you forget that you play with because we didn't win at that time. And then when we won, everybody remembers those teams. But, you know, Paul Coffey. I mean, we had some legendary guys play for our teams. And uh, it was like every stage it seemed... Happened for a reason. When you look back, mm-hmm. and at the time it stings when you lose these series and lose particular games where you think you should win. And it's probably most frustrating for our captain then because he was trying to win so badly more than anybody else. And eventually, we, winning 97, 98 was was uh, was huge for us. And there's a lot of guys that weren't there for that, but you know they're a part of us getting there. 96 rolls around, you lose in the final to uh, the Devils. To the Devils. That was the uh, that was rugby, actually, Art. That wasn't hockey. Right, yeah, that was, was a wrestling match. That was a strange, that was a strange series. Yeah, that's back in the uh, the uh, left, the trap systems and the, right, uh, yeah. clutching and grabbing. Clutching and, and grabbing, right, everything. You can get away with anything. If you didn't hold the guy for more than 10 seconds, you were good. Right. Uh, you know, Martin Brodeur is a great a great uh, goalie. No, yeah. you can't take anything away from him, certainly. But, you know, the system that he played in really... Uh, yeah, well, you think back and you forget the D-man that the Devils had. I mean, it's beyond Stevens. I mean, you think of Rafalski was there. Driver was a good defenseman. Right. I mean, Danico, they had some great def- defense cores every, each and every year. Um, they were hard to play against. I mean, they bottled us up. It was tough to get chances, and we did get a chance. Brewer made a great save. Yeah, they that uh, you know I I don't I don't want to keep reliving bad moments here for yep. you thinking hey what the heck Art let's talk about some of the good things ninety six happens 
you're pretty much the lead goaltender on that team. You know, you and uh, Vernie mm -hmm. share time. Um, I can remember an incident after after you had won the cup in '96, where you and I were at a uh, a watering hole, shall we say, in Detroit, and you were telling me that basically you played your playoff game in your mind at this little watering hole because Vernie got to start. Mm -hmm. um, some people might not have been as mentally tough as you and really took it hard. Yet you had a great relationship with Mike Vernon. And I don't, I've never really quite asked you that. When that decision was made, and Scotty pretty much said he was wanted to go with experience, Vernie yeah. had won a cup in Calgary, uh, that how did, how did, what was the dynamic with, between you and Mike? Because you guys always got along. Did he come up to you and say... Oh, it was fine. It was good at first. It was good the whole but time. But you were disappointed, oh, obviously. Just, I, yeah. It's the difference between disappointed and mad. Right. I mean, mad, mad you affect uh, your teammates, you affect your the dynamic of the room you you affect your partner I mean you really do um, it's imperative especially in Detroit there's a lot of pressure on goalies to get along you had to do it together it's hard to do it by yourself really hard uh, you know that's other we talk about decisions coaches make I mean uh, I felt like I was ready Scotty thought I wasn't quite ready then and mm -hmm. look back on it was probably right I mean <laughs> and uh Vernie played great the entire time. Uh, played really good against Colorado. That was a series he really, really played well in. Uh, and that enabled us to kind of get over that hump and get to the final and, and play great against Philly. But that was a series that Vernie was fantastic against Colorado. But we never... With Vernie, it didn't matter who's playing. I mean, we, we were the same every time. <laughs> I mean, we, we really didn't take anything too serious. Just whoever was playing played. And the other, usually we'd switch on and off for the most part. Until Vernie got hurt, and that's why I ended up playing more than I really would have. I hurt his groin, I believe, in Dallas on a long shot. He just went uh, a harmless situation that went down for quite some time. So uh, if that would have happened, I probably wouldn't have played even as much as I did. So there's lots of things that factor into it. And Vernie was the experienced guy that won the cup, and there's a lot of pressure on our team then to win. Right. So I mean, that probably factored into it too. Scott didn't want to use a younger goalie and, and decided to go with Vernie, and the rest is history. You know, Vernie was, uh, is from Calgary. Yeah. I remember talking to him one time, um, Matthew Dandino's 21st birthday party, and we were sitting there, and we were talking, and I remember telling him, I said, listen, if you, which you did, if you can win the cup, this city is going to explode. And he talked to me about being a Calgary native and winning the cup in Calgary, but he needed to leave, he said, because he could take the pressure of being in, you know, playing yep. in Canada and playing in your hometown. Yet he didn't like the things that were being said because it affected his family more than it affected him. Yeah. He said coming to Detroit, he never quite experienced where, I guess there was a little bit of negativity, but he said people here, the fan base, whether they're hockey fans or not, they just want you to do well, yeah. which is really positive reinforcement for the players. Did you always get that feeling? Is Detroit different in that way? Because sometimes they'll say, well, people are too soft or the thing, you know, fans are going to love you. You know, you know yeah. that. But even the media is criticized as being, meh, you know, they should be really hard on these guys. I never found it like a difficult place to play. I mean, I, mm -hmm. it was, a, I never thought that ever. It was a great place to play. Uh, Fans can be tough on us at times, but it's the same as everywhere. Right. Yeah, tough. 
playing Long Island, they, I mean, we were nine or ten zero and one. The Rangers come in and kick their butt seven to two. And the Italians weren't happy. Art, they came down. They were not happy, and I, I can't <laughs> even think of repeating the language they're using. But they made sure they huddled around where we went off. And I remember I walked off and I go, wow, I guess we better beat the Rangers. I didn't realize that rival, yeah. which is one of the best in the National Hockey League. It's unreal. Right. But I'm like, whew, I guess I guess we got to beat them next time. I started <laughs> laughing to myself because like, I never heard that kind of language. For, well, you hear it, but not in that manner. But uh, passionate fans on Island, wow, it's a shame that they moved down to that rink and didn't stay where they were. But Detroit, same thing, passionate fans, and they wanted to win. Very, very badly, especially after not winning for quite some time. And we had some real tough playoff series losses. So I think, you know, uh, for when I played, we never even talked about it. It was the pressure because they'd always say the quarterbacks and the goalies. And it was everybody else. We never thought that. We were just playing. Right. We just, we in our own little world. <laughs> we were doing our thing, really. In 97, you're the goalie of record. Mm-hmm. You win the Stanley Cup. Uh, you had, I don't know if, you know, like, correct me if I'm wrong too again, I, I know I keep saying that, but, you know, the thing that was always your hallmark is if you let in a, a bad goal or you played a bad game, I would almost say 10 out of 10 times the next game you won for sure and it was almost always a shutout. You always came back. The, I think it was the Langenbrunner, you tried to stop it or, yeah. and it kind of went into the net and then the net, you know, they, you know, they end up winning and, you know, you had some, you had some gaps where you, I, yeah, my favorite. Uh, that, that one was missing the net by about four feet too. <laughs> yeah, but, but you were compelled to stop yeah, the puck. I was compelled to stop it for no reason. <laughs> my stick went back into the net. Crazy bounce. But, uh, that, that, that one, that was probably the best game I played in the playoffs, too. That was a shame of it. And uh, nobody remembers that, obviously. But uh, I was like, you know, that really sucks because I was having such a great game. I can't believe it. I said, it kind of tests your fortitude. You right. know? It's, and, and it's not easy. And even for, for these kids nowadays, it just doesn't happen. Like, overnight, you've got to be able to fight through certain things and battle. And, and you don't go from point Z to A. It's a lot of steps you got to take to get there and sometimes they're not going to be good and other times they are and there's a lot of things that you're going to say why me why did that happen and you figure it out and it makes you play harder i think the next game you won two nothing i think and the series was over um another story that you've told me over the years that i absolutely love uh you're playing a game i guess it had to be against the blues and it's uh detroit is up by one and you think that they're going to the that Al McGinnis is going to shoot the puck around oh, the boards to stop it. Al always did that too. I should have known better. Right. You said you looked up at the clock for a split second to see yeah. how much time you were going to have. Another mistake. And you you look down and the puck is because of his shot. Yeah. It's it's going past you. He he scores a goal. But Al McGinnis, if there was one player, and people have always asked me, oh, you know Ozzy so well, you know, what player did he fear? I don't think he feared anybody, number one. But um, Al McGinnis broke his I, hand you know, at least two times that I, I know. I but one guy is sacking. God, he's well, yeah. everywhere. Usually guys have, you know, they're either, they're going to shoot high glove, mm-hmm. after shot, or they're five-hole. Sacking was everywhere. Guy drove me nuts. Come down the side, stick side. Even in the... 
game in Colorado there when he scored on Conklin early, rifled right. that thing, sticks out. I'm like, he can't still do that. I was so happy I was in the studio at Fox, and right. way away from that thing. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. that would have blazed the by alum, me. That would have been me and Nett, and it would have went through. I'm like, not again, stop it. Right. But that guy was unreal, one of the best shots ever. McKinnis, and ironically, in, in games, um, he had a wicked shot, man. He, it right. could be head high. It could he be at low. least broke it your fingers a couple of times, yeah, right? Broke my, my hand, my blocker hand, broke my finger. But I, when I played with Al, never ever would he raise the puck in practice. He was always along the ice. And one, this is another guy uh, besides Pronger that you get a chance to play with real force. And I'm like, wow, this guy is unreal. Mm -hmm. And when I was in St. Louis, we had a really, really good team that year. And Al McKinnis had a bad eye. And I set the puck up for him and he got crushed in Phoenix. And something else happened to it again. So we lost him for the year. And that was the difference in our year. If Al McKinnis would have been with us all year, we would have we would have done some really good things that season. So, and uh, he was an unreal player. Pronger was unreal. Nick, like, think like, these are three guys that are arguably in the top ten defensemen in the last thirty years, right? Easily, and uh, guys that are real, real good. But back to that goal. Yeah, it went to overtime, and then I think it went to to, to double overtime after that. And I don't think that one was from the red line. I think it was like just before the blue line, so it wasn't quite that bad if you want to put it on the bad scale. Right, that right. was at a boat of, Right. That was just below the Dallas one, just barely. The timing of it sucked again, though. It's like, <laughs> right, right, it's right. like come on. Like, last minute. In that game, too, I was having one of my best games. It was always like, you know, <laughs> things are going to go. You're going to get over the hump. Well, you get knocked back down. Well, then you get knocked back down. Well, then you get knocked back down. So you had to keep fighting. You know, it's like a boxer get, trying to get out of the corner and scrapping and scrapping and clawing. Now we go to overtime. And it was back and forth, and I remember, I don't know who shot it, went through, hit both posts. And I'm like, oh, well, there's a good break. That makes up for that McKinnis kind right. of thinking. And, you know, if that goes and we lose in overtime, whew, then that goal is magnified even more. Right. right? It can't be that magnified because we were in HD then, so you couldn't really see it that great. <laughs> but I think Shanny scored. Yeah, Shan I think Shanahan did score. Yeah. Correctly. It was pretty early uh, in the morning. Yeah, it was early, and it, it I might have been triple overtime. I can't remember, but that was a huge game. Right. And uh, it, that I never really thought about. Like, I had good overtime periods, made some saves. I was just, if anything, I don't think I I was born with that. I think I had to I had to learn how to deal with it because those instances happened more than they should have. <laughs> I had no choice. Like my choice was either I I wilt and, and crumble and lay down and quit or I battle and fight and try and get better. But you never laid down, ever. No, I, you, I, I mean, I, some people ask, well, you, you're born with that mental toughness. I'm like, no, I, I had no choice. <laughs> I mean, I was playing the next game. I had to walk out. I remember walking off in Dallas and I'm like, swearing at myself. I'm like, why? Why? You just had your best game and you go and do something so stupid. It's like, you're a young player and you, you know, meant you, one mistake and you know what happens and you, when you're playing the best league in, and I had to fly all the way back to Detroit I'm like what? looking out the window I'm like that's it that's not going to happen again I was like I can't swear on your thing here Art but I was swearing I, want, I couldn't wait to play the next game because I was pissed off at myself for being so stupid going outside of the net it'd be like swinging at a, a pitch that hits halfway to home plate right. there's no reason to swing at it it was right. the same thing that thing was going in the corner and Don Cherry put on Hockey Night Canada and tried to smooth it I remember that. I'm like, oh, thanks, Don. One of the, 
Because <laughs> living in Canada, the guy's a legend. But he's trying to make it seem like it skipped and bounced. And I was like, oh, that's that's just a great job of analyzing. But I thought this is fantastic that he's trying to make me look good. But it was a bad goal. It was a stupid. It was a mental mistake. Right. You win. Uh, you win the cup in '97. Uh, team's always good. I can remember 2001. The uh, uh, till this day, I agree with you. Uh, LA had that comeback in that one game. Yep. I know you lost Easter Sunday where Luke Robitaille scored a goal on you. You yep. lost two to one. I remember you telling me at that point, anybody but Luke Robitaille. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he scores. Then the game where you were up and Marty took a couple of penalties. I can remember Marty yeah. on the tarmac when we had to refuel going back to Detroit. People want to blame me. They can blame me. You know, Marty was always a stand-up stand yeah. guy. But there was a goal that they called, and I guess replay was not back then, yeah. where you and Chelios to this day yeah, swear no that it was no way it ever was. It was close. I don't know how they counted that. It might have been Terry Gregson again. He was Chelios' nemesis. Same with mine. He was... Great referee. you got to love the old school guys because they talk. Right. But there's no way that that went in. There's no possible way. Chelly had it on a stick. I mean, there's no way he could have taken it out, out of the net, through my feet, and out the other side. But those those are the breaks. And, and, and to be to be fair here, I pulled a lot of pucks out of the net when there was no replay as well. But right. never at that particular time. But there was instances in overtime or something in the regular season where they were, they were in, but I pulled them out. Or they'd be underneath you. And so... It, over time, it all evened out, but that was a terrible. Uh, that, that was late in that game. We were leading three to one or something. Right, right. And that kind of started and that their comeback. Started their comeback. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. That sucked to lose that series because that, that that's another one of those where you're like, wow, if we would have won that series, you know, we could have won quite quite a long ways that year. Right. I, well, I can remember that too because that was you know Adam Deadmarsh, yeah. the old Red Wing nemesis. Yeah, always, yeah. I mean, I still to this day think that when Pierre Lacroix traded him, that Colorado team yeah. really started to go downhill. Yeah, he was a hard soul that team for sure. Forsberg also was, but yeah. Adam Denmark, he, he stayed fairly healthy until he had some head problems, late concussions. So, but he was, he's one of those guys you, the old cliche, right? You, you, you hate playing against him, but you love him on your team, right? Yeah, I know fans are going to want me to bring this up because I really want to jump uh, ahead to when you came back to the Red Wings, uh, but you know, Vernie fights Juan the twenty six. You fight Wah. You guys do the, the sit-down for Fox Sports Detroit where, you know, he seemed like a pretty affable guy. You guys got along pretty well. Uh, but that rivalry with Colorado, um, base more in hatred or base more in respect? Both. There's both. But both 50-50, hatred and respect. I mean, it was a perfect storm. You had the players, the characters, cast of characters of both teams that were, you had some guys that were, Likeable. He had some guys that were easy to hate by the fans, and both teams had each of those guys probably almost identical number of each. Um, and then you had a real talented team that were really good. So it was a perfect storm of these two teams that were both trying to win at that time. You know, not that the windows were closing, but wow, I mean, you never know. So it's got to win at all costs is what it was. And right. I remember when I was in New York and I was sitting there and we were playing the Leafs and I was watching it. Um, we had lost to the Leafs that year in seven. And I watched the Red Wings play Colorado in that seven-game series when they right. blew them out. And I said, I was with my buddies in Canada, and we'd golfed and we'd watched. And I said, this is the best hockey I've ever seen. Like that, The 2002 out. Western Conference yeah, Final? it was unreal. The plays, the talent. The uh, I remember, it was a Drury who always scored overtime goals. Right, right. Scored a sick goal in overtime. And Detroit went back and Dom back-to-back shutouts in six and seven. But game six was unreal game. 
one of the best games I've ever seen, end to end. Just the passing, the, 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 the purity of the hockey, as a hockey player watching that, you're like, wow, it was unreal. You know, but one of your best quotes that you ever gave me was... Uh, Give me another one. Well, you gave me a you gave me a many one more. You gave me many great quotes over the years. One you know? more, Art. I no. swear, just one more. No, but you said you just one more question right there. That, no, I'm not one more beer. That's what I mean. Oh yeah, it's, really? That, oh yeah, yeah. That, well, that too. Uh, but was uh, when you fought Wong, you said, "Listen, he was a big guy. You know, much bigger than I. I thought that his punch he would punch harder, but they felt like pillows." Yeah. He, I mean, I, I was exhausted, never fought before. Um, I just went off watching guys. I was mm. faking my left side, and there was probably nothing on mine either at all. Uh, then it became more of a wrestling match because we were both out of gas. Do you? I, I was like. Are you talking at that point to no, each other? Or are you just talking, kind of... Scotty was mad that I was fighting because the playoffs were going to start soon, and, and the, the guys on the bench were laughing. And I just wanted to get kicked out. I was done. I was exhausted. I told him, please kick me out of this game. Like, I, I, my, I couldn't even move my arms. I was toast. And I think Kevin Hodson went back in. And actually, you know, he swept up perfect. We got to end up shutting him out or something. But uh, it was, it seems so long ago now, you, you know, you forget. Right. Uh, time flies. But those are cool times. Stuff was always happening and there was tension and there were games to look forward to. And you'd circle them on your calendar. And, and uh, the rival and something always happened every game for a span of like two years. And that's a long time. And a team that was, you know, in proximity, not really close to Detroit. Right. No real reason other than two teams being really good. I think the characters, like I said before, both teams, you had your villains, you had your good guys. You, you, it just was a perfect mix of, and timing is what made it. When, uh, was Kevin Hansen, who everyone calls so, Ticker, was he... Uh, I know you had partners that you really learned from and stuff, but yeah. was he, like, the perfect partner to have because... He, you know, he, you know, he never took anything that seriously. I mean, no. he was always joking around. Oh, he was always uh, joking around. He's one of the good guys of hockey. If you ever talked to anybody? Nice. Uh, he's a classic. I remember his speech on the stage, singing after '98. He, you know, and 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 a, and a good goalie and played in the NHL. It's hard to play in the NHL. Good, 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 good goalie in his, in his own right. Played quite a while. And you know, that that's those alumni games. I don't love playing anymore. I don't goalie. It's not. It's right. not one of my things on my list that I want to do. Right. <laughs> I prefer to have a better short game in golf and actually be able to sink a five foot putt. But I love going to those games because I got to see Kevin Hudson. I get to see the guys I don't see anymore. Um, and it was cool playing with him. It was the same thing too, Art. He didn't want to go in when I was coming out. Oh, you just stay in. You stay in. I go no, Art. You have to play. Your kids are here. Your wife is here. They want to see you play. Your kids haven't seen you play forever. Right. Just play like eight minutes. It was like pulling teeth to get him in there for eight minutes. But we got him in there. And he played great. And he had a lot of fun. So, But one of the... the uh, and, and people from that era that were big Reverend fans would know. One of the really funny people and, and good teammates of all time. Right. He was great. Uh, you come back to Detroit. Yep. Uh, you kind of, you know, like everybody, I'm not going to call it a mid-life crisis or a mid-career crisis, but you had to alter your your game a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think you watch guys over time. I, uh, Patrick watched his game. He was a stand-up guy. I mean, he was kind of the first guy. I mean, Trechak was the first butterfly ever. That's where we could score on him. But Patrick Wild became a butterfly goalie and a big guy. And this guy would shoot along the ice and try and score. And all the goalies were getting their pads down instead of just their skates, which really, if you think back, 
why would you stop puck with inside your skate that's only so big and not use your big pads? It was the craziest philosophy ever of how they taught goalies then, but that's the way it was. Right. Uh, so it took some time to change. So um, I just changed pushing around. Uh, I had to, or I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to play. And the players were getting so much faster, even then, um, better than they were in the previous seven, eight years. These young guys were coming up. They could all shoot. Right. And they, they could all pass. The biggest thing was the passing was a lot quicker. Um, so I had to get my, my feet had to get better. I, I had to change my game. Not a lot, but I had to become more of an athlete and, and uh, learn to move side to side, but in control. And it took a while. I mean, you know, it's like I always said, it's like a golfer when he changes swings. You, you know, you can change it, but it takes a while to stop thinking about it right. <laughs> when you're on the course. So same thing when, as a goalie, I know I'm supposed to do this move. My my brain is telling me to do it, but my body's not doing it yet. So it took kind of, it took a, a full year almost to get that where I was just doing it naturally, not thinking about it anymore. Right, you know, Red Wings had, it was so odd. There was Manny in the mix. There was Curtis Joseph came yeah. here for a while. But in 2008, it's you and Dominic Hasek, which yeah. is a bit ironic because when he came, you went to the Islanders. Are we but, a timeout? But you got a timeout? No. Okay. Art's not letting me take a timeout again. Yeah, right. yeah. Just it, it, we'll, we'll finish up. I, I you know. No, no, we're good. Uh, Are you sure? Yeah, 98 playing with Dom, uh, 08. Now, you know, everybody hears the stories about Dominic Hasek. Right, right. Whatever they are. And I was like, I don't, I remember he was in training camp when I was going to get traded. And it was hard to trade. Now it's hard to trade me because we already have too many goalies and it's right. hard to move a goalie. So I actually went on waivers and, and got picked up by the Islanders. Which, first, the first team that could claim. Which ended up being great for me. Uh -huh. a really good young team. But I, Dom and I got along then. I'm like, talking about you know and everybody's got their their quirks or their certain things they are or who they are but I got along with Dom all the time um, I love playing with him he, and once again I know I fast forward from 94 where I'm learning from or 93 when I'm in Adirondack learning from Alan Bester and he's picking me up and we're going to the rink and eating and doing this so now I fast forward all these years and now I'm still learning from a guy I'm playing with in 2008 Dominic Hasek, just how competitive he is in practice and never gives up on pucks. And and, and the, the one thing for me is, as I tell kids now, is I was I was talented, but at times I, I didn't practice. I didn't I didn't work as hard as I should have, mm -hmm. especially in like in my 20s. So I, and when I was 30, play with Dom, it was every day, so it just became natural. And those were the best years of my career, I think, because I was, I was always ready. Mm -hmm. Even when I went in, oh wait, I was practicing hard, doing what I had to do to make sure I was ready. I was never sitting on the bench nervous about going in that I wasn't ready because I'd put the work in and that's what Dom taught me. We always did. Remember we lost a shootout, he puts all the pucks at center ice and he, I didn't lose it, Dom lost it, which was hard to believe. Right. And he, we had to stop all the pucks where he left the ice. He was still mad that he lost. I think Patrick Kane might have scored on in Chicago and he was a rookie. Dom doesn't know. Dom didn't know who our own players were, let alone Patrick Kane, then right, who's right. a superstar player now. Right. And I remember it was just things like that and the thing that I take away from Dominic Hasek is, and I tell kids the stories when I'm on the ice is the last game we ever playing, we're in Pittsburgh. We lost in game five in triple overtime. We go to Pittsburgh. Dom's on the ice in, the, in practice in the morning after practice, and he lined up the pucks at the hash marks and had the guy skate and take slap shots. And he stood right in the goal line and trying to work on his reflexes to see really? if he still had it or not. And he retired after that. Mm -hmm. Like, just to see if he still had it. He was out there to live for an hour after practice. No reason to do it. I mean, it was the end of it, was game six, and but that's the type of player he was. He wanted to just to prove to himself he still could do it. We, you win the cup in 2008. 
you come to within a whisker of winning it in 2009. Yeah. Uh, at, at that point, in, in real quickly, uh, there's always this talk about whether you should be in the Hall of Fame or not. You win, if the Red Wings win the Cup in 2009, it's back-to-back. -back. Your numbers were astounding in both, both years, in 2008 and 2009. You probably win the Conn Smythe as the MVP in 2009. You probably, arguably, could have won it in 2008 uh, for stepping in at Dom in the in Nashville series when things weren't going well for you. Uh, do you think about it? Do you, you know, I, I mean, I know this is difficult for you, and I know you're uncomfortable talking about it, yet one of the, it's almost I, like you're now the, the debate in sports, do, are you a Hall of Famer no, or not? I do and I, do and I don't. Um, the first couple of years, I didn't even know when it was. <laughs> and then I think this year you might have texted me something, and I was like, oh, they did that? Like, I was, right. I think I was golfing, I don't know what I was doing in Canada, but I was doing something. I'm like, I think I like got screwed again. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, what do I do? I'm like, I think I was, no, because my, my, it flooded where I was, so my dock was underwater, so I was down there at my feet, and I, and you got screwed again. I'm like, oh yeah, Art, you're, you're right. I, got, I go, how, how does Art know that my dock's under the water? That's what I thought. Oh, really? Because I got screwed again. I'm like, hmm, well, he doesn't know that. I'm like, what's going on? And then I'm like, then I got a couple more texts from somebody that BS and stuff. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, geez, that's today. I was, I didn't even know this year, so the year before I knew, so I, I don't put that much thought into it anymore, to be honest. Do I want to get in? Yeah, for sure I do. I, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm just happy to be in the conversation. I, I would love to get into the Hall of Fame, but it's not something I think about a lot. You don't think about it, but yet, you know, 400 wins is 400 wins, and that seems to be, uh, you would assume. Yeah. And, and, and your playoff numbers are better than your regular season numbers. It took numbers. Rogie Vachon a long time to get in. Right, it did take I don't take know if I'm going to make it to his age, so they'd be able to speed things up here. <laughs> you might be accepting it for me, Art. Well, you know, I, I, and I will. I'll give, I'll give a hell of a speech, Chris, I promise. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's move forward. Uh, and, you know, w winning those cups, obviously great moments for you. But do you think that in 2008 and 2009, it was validation for you that, you know, because people, uh, I don't know if people were giving up on you, but, you know, you were saying, oh, God, Ozzy's back or, you know, he's, you know, he's older now. Uh, but did you feel that you had something to prove? Uh, at that point, I, I just wanted to win. I didn't really think about, you always want to prove that you still have it. And right. You play for as long as you can. Uh, but I, I, I just wanted to come back and win one more time because it had been 10 years and, uh, I miss that aspect of it, you know, playing the playoffs. I always loved the playoffs. As my career got, when I was 35, 36, 37, those regular seasons got long. It's harder, obviously you're older, but I loved the playoffs. I loved that time of the year, um, you know, because it's two months. You're playing every second day, playing a seven-game series, trying to beat somebody in span of two weeks. I always loved that aspect of it. Um, not, I just wanted to prove to myself that I, I could still do it. I wasn't at that age. I wasn't into proving anything to anybody else anymore. I just wanted to prove to myself I could still do it, I could still play, and just wanted to wanted my career to end the way I wanted it to. Right, not under your own terms. Under my own terms, not the way somebody was going. I didn't want anybody to dictate how it was going to happen, and I wanted to win again. It was huge. You you rebounded nicely. You retire. You become a uh, uh, kind of a roving goaltender instructor or coach or scout yep. uh, for the Red Wings that first year. And I'll never forget this. 
you told me, you go, hey, I was just in Ottawa. There's this Czech goalie. He's kind of like Dom. He yep. was playing for the Ottawa 67s by the name of Peter Morazak. You at that time had pegged him to be a – you thought he was going to be a great, great, great goaltender. He still could be. I mean, he reminds me a lot of myself when I was that age. A lot came early, mm -hmm. sometimes for better or for worse. Uh, sometimes you forget, you got to work every day, do the right things. Pierre Rasmus has not lost his talent. He's still, the he's still the same talent as he did when he put those great streaks together the last couple of seasons. He just has to learn how to be more consistent and do it on a consistent basis. That, that comes with working every day, being a good partner, being a good teammate. Um, it's just learning process. Uh, he's still young. I mean, uh, and he's, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, he, he's just has to mold that and mature as a player, and, and he could be really, really good. Do you try to send a message uh, to him? Do you have well, a I was coaching him, I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, I think, like I said before, he was so talented. He started the World Junior Tournament when he played that in Canada. Won the Calder Cup his first year. Could have arguably been the MVP of that. Um Got in the NHL the next year. The minute he got there, he was on fire. So really, there was really no bumps in the road for him at all. And the first time there was, probably didn't handle the right way. He, you know, and, and that's just learning. Um, so he in a tough spot. So now he's, he, I, I predict he's going to have a really good year this year. Been challenged a bit. Um, we're going to see what he's made of, essentially. Um, you know, nothing's been given to him. He's, he's, he's got to uh, work hard every day and, and, and improve himself, and then his talent's going to take over. Now, Jimmy Howard, although injuries have plagued him the last couple of years, he kind of had a midlife crisis kind of like yourself. We and, all do. We're, 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 we're constantly in a midlife crisis. <laughs> yes, it's a mid-career. Mid Let me put mid-career yeah. crisis. Um, but he, he rebounded. Yeah. He put a career year together last year yeah. if he would have stayed healthy. And, couple of fluke injuries too, falling on a couple of times, nothing really. Uh, I really like where Jimmy's game is at. I mean, he's, he looks real, real good in there, solid. Uh, he's taking a step back. He doesn't play out as far. You know, he, and, and, and like me, he, he's made some subtle adjustments over the years. Um, he's a real hard worker. He's a, he's a work hard horse. I always say, like, if Jimmy Howard, you know, last year we were talking about, you know, maybe they're going to trade Jimmy Howard or mm -hmm. I mean, there's some teams where I really believe he'd go to. They'd have a great chance of, of winning. Um, that's how much I believe in him. And he's, he play, had a real solid year last year. He's a good teammate, a good person. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about the Red Wings goalies, but really, it, it's the strongest part of their team, <laughs> these two. I mean, so it's not really something that we, we need to be talking about a heck of a lot. Um, if, if they can get both these guys to play really well all year, they, they, they could make the playoffs. Yeah, goaltending probably would I mean, be the key. They need to keep them healthy. They need to use them at the right times. Um, it's hard to play 60 games now because of the travel and, and the, the amount of good teams there are. But, wow, you have both these guys and, and playing solid hockey. you got a good shot at making it. When you look at the Red Wings as a whole, I know we've, we touched upon goaltending. Yeah. Obviously, it's a key. Um, defensively, they're still going through some growing yeah. pains. Uh, but if you look at it, last year... For the most part, except for a few players, mm -hmm. Mantha, who played with Zetterberg, uh, Zetterberg, Athanasiu showed some flashes. Everybody had a, like a down year, a yeah. disappointing year. They underachieved. If some of them can rebound and the goaltending comes back, the way the NHL is, 
is that the Red Wings could make the playoffs this year after missing it for the first time in 25 consecutive seasons. Remember, the league shut down for a year, so um, it was 25 consecutive seasons, not consecutive years, or it would have been 26 consecutive seasons because the year the league shut down, they obviously would have made the playoffs. But my point being is is that uh, do you see this team rebounding? Will they get a jolt from the new arena? I think so. Guys are excited about the new rink. I talked saw Riley Shane the other day who I, I believe is going to have himself a nice year. Um, you know, Riley did a lot of good things. He didn't score a lot, obviously. <laughs> but I, the rest of his game, you know, everybody wants him. He's a big guy to be more aggressive. But, you know, that that comes with everybody. I, I mean, I'd like to see him up-tempo. I'd like the, the bottom six, you know, to be a little more abrasive, finishing checks and, and uh, you know, really being hard to play against, like energy people and... I think Bertuzzi, we didn't mention him. He could be, right. he could factor into this. Um, get get the Athanasiu thing figured out. Get him in a, in a Wings jersey. He's, he's a fast skater. I believe their penalty kill could be good. I mean, they got a lot of fast skater Darren Helm as well. Um, we forget about him. Um, Up tempo guys. They got some quick players, and I, I, I like. I mean, listen. Last year, there's a lot of things that factored into it, and, and a lot of guys had down years. Um, if, if they can get these guys to improve and play well this year, they got some good young players. I mean, if, Nyquist and Tatar in off years weren't that far off their pace of the year before. I mean, we get these two scoring some goals this year, um, playing well, getting them in the right situation, um, playing with this, the same people on a nightly basis, getting some continuity. I, I believe these two guys score over 30 goals. And, and Mantha, is, to me, he's, he's going to be a stud player. <laughs> Bryce is a big kid that can score. He scored some fantastic Great goals shot. last year. He was learning his way through as well. Um, got himself in some fights, opened up some space for him. You know, he could be a big power forward that the Wings haven't had for quite some time that can score. You know, obviously Zetterberg, he's he, he's the uh, centerpiece. He's the pillar for the Wings. I mean, he was fantastic last year. In my estimation, he had some great, great years when I played with him. But just under the circumstances, how young the team was, what they're going through, probably one of his best years he's had in his career. I mean, again, it got overlooked because they missed. Mm -hmm. But he was unreal last year, night in and night out. Didn't matter who they, where they were, who they were playing, how many games he played in a row. He was just fantastic all year long. And are you, to me, it comes down to the D. Mike Green had a great year last year as well. Um, need the Kaiser to step up. Uh, he's still a young defenseman. It's hard to play D in the NHL. Difficult. And, uh, you know, I didn't think he had an off year. Here everybody says he, he's learning. I mean, right. these guys are young players. and uh, But they need there's younger guys to take the next step. If that happens, and all of a sudden Daniel Kaiser becomes, you know, he's never going to be a huge offensive threat, but, you know, starts carrying the puck like we've seen him do in the past and getting involved offensively and, and doing some nice things. I mean, it could certainly change our outlook on how they're going to do. And... Uh, you know, maybe Sproul turns out to be something bigger than we ever thought. He has a great shot. He gets in the offense. But I don't – and Jonathan Erickson, everybody always talks about Jonathan Erickson. Listen, he, where are you going to find a six-foot-six defense? Nobody's giving them away. You can't right. find them. And Jonathan Erickson is a real solid player for quite some time and at times asked to play way too many minutes and, and, and play in certain situations that, that you know – he shouldn't be in, and and to me, he's just a real solid, solid player. And get him playing with the right people, and the right minutes could have a real nice year as well. So, I, I, I going into this year, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I, I think, you know, I read stuff. 
They're not as bad as that. They, they, they're going to a new rink. They have some nice young players. They have some Tatar Nyquist could come up big this year. Um, so for me, I do. I think I, I think they're going to make it. I'm thinking, and, I, and I'm you know I think seven or eight seed is kind of what I'm looking. at. I'm looking at Jimmy Howard and I'm looking for Mrazek to bounce back because that's the type he's a competitor. I think their goaltending is good. They need a couple of these defensemen to step up and really have some big years and take a big step in their career. If that happens, I mean, I, I, I like Bertuzzi coming up. I, I like Mantha. I think Tatar and Nyquist are going to score some goals this year. Zetterberg, like I said, the centerpiece there. If you look at other teams, they're not that much different than a lot of teams. Right, right, and, right. And, uh, you know, everybody's just thinking because they don't have that prototypical star player that they're automatically not going to be good. Well, that's not the case. I mean, mm-hmm. if they play well as a team, and, and I, I, I'm looking at them to be seven or eight. I think they're going to be one of those teams that you're going to look at come Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which is the Ken Holland line. Right, right. We're going to say, wow, we're surprised at what they're doing. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, when you look at it that way, I mean, you know, the, they could possibly, uh, uh, if guys rebound and if uh, Mrazek and Howard hold up their end of the bargain. It's impossible for all those guys to have another off year like that. Right, it's it, it, it almost would that be. Was, you you uh, got to think Historically, that. it can't happen. And uh, not everybody's going to have a great, great year. I think you have guys, I think Abelkader's going to bounce back. That guy is a competitor. He's in there. I play with him. I know Abby's a great guy in the room, a leader. I just really think there's going to, they got something to prove. How about Dylan Larkin? I mean, he's I love from Dylan here. Larkin. I mean, we forget about him on the penalty kill as well. Right. Really quick skater with Athanasiu and Hellemann. These guys are some quick skaters to kill penalties and I think create a lot of chaos. I liked his game last year, creating some space. He has that fight, spiciness to him. Well, what is he? Is he 21? Can't be. Larkin just turned 21 in, in the I'm last day in think uh, of July. Dylan Larkin three years from now. He's going to be a really good player. <laughs> I'm not worried about him one bit. All right, Chris. And, and you'll be uh, still calling the action on Fox Sports well, Detroit? Well, yeah. Fired up for this year. Getting to the Little Caesars uh, Arena is going to be fantastic to get down there. Um, probably going to get lost quite a bit down there. Slip into Kid Rock's little establishment, maybe. Do game from their art. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be great, and uh, the new arena is going to be fantastic. And I know the players are fired up, and the fans are too. So I, I think we're in for some pleasant surprises this season. Chris, thanks for joining us here on the Red and White Authority. Uh, I do appreciate it. We could go on forever. Uh, I mean, we've known each other for a very long time, and uh, I do, <laughs> do appreciate it. Uh, uh, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Yeah, anytime, Art. Love it every time. Love it.